Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey, I love long airline layovers, Adams, and Christian, not a fan of Desmond Ritter, Simmons. Welcome into episode 104. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. We're back. Back again. We are back. Um, UCF lost last Saturday, two days ago. Sure did. Um, wasn't fun to watch. Wasn't it was fun to talk about, oddly enough. Our last our last podcast I really enjoyed. And I told yeah, you it was a good like, cope session. You gave you gave us like a warning to future us. And I told you while you're doing that, like, I was like, I'm not gonna listen to this. I went back and listened to it yesterday and I actually enjoyed the podcast. So that's good funny because I don't know if we've talked about it on air, but I listen to the podcast every week after we finish it because like quality check. I just want to make so sure much. that I really don't. I hate listening to myself talk. <laughs> I think some of you guys do too. And um, it's just like basically quality check, make sure there wasn't like anything weird or whatever, or, like a bad edit. And Bailey never listens to it. So I was honored that he listened to the podcast. Early on, like early, sometimes I do. I've listened to some of like the, a lot, a lot more of the late night podcasts recently um, after games. I listened to the one, I think the Georgia Tech one on the drive home because I, I drove home after back to Tampa after that game. I don't know. It's just like very sporadically. I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll listen this week. Um, People really love the late night podcast, which I always find funny because like <laughs> this one, which is the one we like put all the work and like research into an outline is like the one that always doesn't do as well as the one where we just hop on after a game and are like, let's be upset. So like, yeah. I don't know what that says, but it's kind of yeah. funny. I don't know. And so normally if, if you, you obviously, if you've listened to this before, listen to our like week of podcasts, our preview podcasts, we start by going back to the previous game and talking about things that we missed. And we said on the late night podcast that we weren't going to do that this time. Cause Can I, I do it really briefly it. though. If you want to just like real quick. Cause I really don't want to talk in depth about that game, but I just wanted to say that I, I, I've really calmed down in the last two days and I feel a lot better for a couple of different reasons. Um, one, I rewatched the game, which was fun um not doing and that. yeah so the, the two things i will say the two big caveats is that i don't think john rice plumley could play that bad again if he tried um knock on wood and i know what you're all gonna say what do you mean he didn't play bad he had i was gonna say people will argue people blah 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 blah, blah, blah. Well. it's like he turned the ball over four times you can stop quoting his completion rate to me like that wasn't a horrible game and uh you know, my point is basically that I don't think he could turn the ball over four more times if he tried because some of those were just insane. And you know what I just realized too is people were like throwing his stats at me or throwing his stats at us and talking about like, oh, well, look at his stats. So many of those came like late in the game, they were down by 20, and ECU was just giving him all the check downs. So they were gaining yards, but doing nothing with the ball. Like it, it doesn't matter. You can't run with the pro JRP folks. So I actually, really quick tangent, I got called a potster by Trace Troco on Twitter the other day. I think he always calls it that, doesn't he? So this is what's funny is people, everyone thinks I'm stirring the pot. I'm really not. I, uh, so I, tw- I posted a poll and I said, I was curious where the fan base is at. So let's see, do you believe that if UCF loses to Cincinnati, that John Rice should still be the starter? I did not post that to stir the pot. It stirred the pot, which more so than I was expecting. But the main I'm reason sorry I posted for being that, curious. <laughs> the main reason I posted that is because every time I've tweeted anything, even remotely critical of JRP, all these people show up and they're like, how could you think JRP is anything but amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I have this theory and the poll proved it right, where I was like, I feel like this has to be a situation where it's just a very loud minority. Cause I feel like most of fans are not in JRP's camp. So I posted the poll to see what the results were. And sure enough, only, only a third of people who voted and we got a thousand votes thought that he should reign the star at that point. So I'm, I'm kind of done filtering myself on JRP because I realized it's really just a very loud minority of fans and not actually the fan base that thinks he's good. But anyway, that all being said, he's not going to play that bad again. I don't think like having four turnovers, there's a fluky aspect to it. Like 
you know, I don't think he could do that again if he tried. The other thing that made me feel slightly better rewatching is like Holden Ehlers just made some absolutely stupid throws that like that I, like should not have been completions. And yet they like, I, and I'm not saying like they were bad throws. I'm saying he just lasered in these amazing downfield bombs over and over. And like, that's not going to happen again uh, to another team, you know? So whatever. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't rewatched the game. I won't rewatch the game. So I don't know if that's why my mind on it's not changing, but they still just, played terribly. Yeah, like was, there's uh, no way around that, horrible. but horrible. Yeah. I went on the, went on the road, lost by 20 and, um, Lost 21. college game day, 21. Lost college game day, which is now going to Jackson State, right? Yep. Who needs college game day? I'm anti-ESPN. Um, sure. Um, until ESPN <laughs> wants to give the Big 12 a bunch of money. And then we're then very pro ESPN. We'll love ESPN. But yeah, so speaking of the Big 12, I didn't even mean to do that, actually. Um, but that's where we're going to start instead of our, our typical more in-depth things we missed segment. Um, this is something you brought up on the post-game podcast about, you know, UCF is now five games away or is it six games away six so, games no, away counting six the bowl. games away yeah six games away counting the bowl from playing in the big 12 being in the big 12 and a 21 point loss to ecu is the great a great way to uh, ring that in or aren't we all excited now because it's surely going to get easier um no I, I don't know it's it's ucf's in a weird spot where they're about to go into big 12 and i'm like in crisis mode myself i don't know about you um, but there's just aspects, mode. aspects that we need to talk about or want to talk about and see just how prepared or unprepared is UCF for Big 12 play. Well, let me tell you why I'm not in crisis mode, because I'm pretty sure this entire time I've had a completely different viewpoint on what that first season is going to look like than the average fan. That's I true. got like trashed over the summer for saying the goal was to make a bowl in the first season because everyone was like, we're going to compete for the conference right away. I'm hoping people are realizing by now that's not going to happen. That's not even so much are. watching what UCF's been doing. Go look at what the Big 12 has been like this year. It's a freaking bloodbath. Everybody is good. There are no bad teams in that conference. And there are many like really, really good top 25 caliber teams. So it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. But I thought it was an interesting time to talk about this just because that East Carolina loss very much was the type of loss that like, I think most fans assume that we just moved past. Like that's not really a thing that'll happen anymore. And it happening half a, half a slate of games before becoming a power five team is alarming, but yeah. I mean, you look at what needs to change for next year. Like what, like let's look at where UCF is now and what needs to happen for them to be ready for the big 12. I think the like number one far and above thing is figuring out quarterback. Is that fair to say? Like, I think that even the most staunch John Rice Pumley fans do not want to see him still as the starter next year. Is that fair to say? You would hope. Right. I mean, I, I think so, but I think there are probably some people that are like, Oh no, he has next year of eligibility. Like we want to see him again, but no, I mean, next I year it should be, think, it should yeah. be Tommy or it should be Timmy McLean. It would be a stunning turn of events. If John Rice was the starter next year, I don't even really think he'll be on the team next year to be honest. Do you think, do you think, because it's just so weird how college football works now where like you go into the offseason like these guys might not be here this person might come in like do you think they'll try to add another quarterback in the portal or do you think it'll they'll so, go into next season it'll be tommy or timmy it depends on what malachi singleton ends up doing he's the mm. very highly rated quarterback who's currently committed to arkansas but i think it was stephen leonard or a few people tweeted that he was at the um at whatever game they just yeah, played home. the temple did. game thank yeah, you yeah the temple game I okay steven so that. that implies that ucf might still be involved there if ucf gets him then you're you're sitting pretty when you, i mean those yeah. are three quarterbacks who are basically designed by god to play for gus malls on and you have them all on your roster at the same time so that's a great situation to be in if they don't get malachi i wouldn't be surprised if they went to the portal but that might be less of a looking for a starter like it was last year more like just trying to get some depth there they also have dylan yeah. is committed so yeah, maybe not true. if dylan rizik sticks and comes in but He's, so he's risen like he's had a, a really good season, hasn't he? I still think they'd drop him in a heartbeat if uh, Malachi Singleton wanted to come in, I, but yeah. 
He's looked fair, but again, fair or unfair. Yeah, that's probably it's a true. weird one from the start because he falls much more on the on the spectrum towards like a Mikey Keene than a JRP. So I'm kind of curious why Gus. I don't know really understand the interest there to be honest because he just seems like a quarterback who doesn't fit the Gus mold. But all that being said, I feel like the number one thing, which is the number one thing for any team in the Big Twelve, is you have to have the right quarterback. And I do think optimism ringing true. Let's say they don't get Malachi, whatever. Walking into that situation, walking into the Power Five Conference and getting to have a battle between Timmy McLean and Tommy Castellanos is a really good position to be in. Both of those guys are incredibly talented players. They both know how to run a Gus offense. They're both physically suited for a Gus offense. They both have, you know, superstar potential in some in some regards. So that, I'm not super worried about quarterback, which is kind of crazy to say, given where we're at now. Yeah, no, I don't think that I am. I, it's It's obviously you put a lot of faith in those two guys when you haven't I mean we've seen Tommy play a little bit and we saw more in extended action against Temple we obviously have seen Timmy play last year for USF haven't seen him in Gus's offense but I think both guys are capable of doing a really good job and I I don't know it'll be interesting to follow throughout the offseason and kind of see which camp I fall under because I like both guys and it's not to say that this offseason I didn't like it was just I think we had so much pre-existing history with Mikey Keene which is weird to say because we don't even know him um well, we, when you like, go back, I mean, we we were like big fans of Mikey Keene from when he was in high school. Like as soon as he committed yeah, from to like UCF, last, we at least, loved yeah. him. Yeah. So we, Which I don't we even remember very, how that started. It started um, because he committed. I said, who is this kid? I watched his like tape on YouTube and was like, I think I'm obsessed <laughs> with this player. Like this guy's awesome. And yeah. Now he's going to light it up at Arizona State next year or wherever, and it's going to be great. But yeah. But like, because this all this offseason, it was like, I really wanted it to be Mike Keene. I said all along, you know, I like John Rice Palmy as a guy, and I think it was a thing where I thought both guys could play, but I had very clearly picked a favorite. I don't know like if I will or not going into next season. I am 100% not doing it. Um, th- this off season. And honestly, the season has been hell with the fan base kind of divided into camps by quarterback. And I just haven't enjoyed it at all. Yeah. Um, I I've never seen as much animosity, like UCF fans towards each other as I've seen this season. So I have enjoyed that. So I'm not picking it. I- I'm literally, I'm going into next season as what an awesome situation. I'm, I'm a big believer in iron sharpens iron. You've got two very talented quarterbacks, both of whom could thrive in a Gus Malzahn offense. Let them battle it out and the winner wins. That's the boat I'm in. I, I am yeah. assuming Castellanos would have the the leg up going into that. Um, I, think, I so. think he is more talented, but I'm not picking a favorite. Like whoever you yeah, want to start, I, I want to start. That's the thing. Is like, I'm not intending on picking a favorite. I kind of just wonder as the off season goes on, if I'll like lean one way or the other, I'm going to aim not to. I'm going to but... actively refuse to like, I'm just not going to, I can't, I can't wait for us to have this conversation and it is just John Rice Palmley again, but I really doubt that would be the case. See, that's the thing. That's the one rooting interest I will have is if it, somehow if he's on the team and he's still, it's just weird. It's weird to think like he's been the starting quarterback all year. He's going to finish the year as a starting quarterback at this point. And he has another year of eligibility, but it's just kind of like, I don't see him on the team next year. It's a weird, like, well, it's funny because it's not even that it's, he's been the starter all year. He's had a seven touchdown game at one point. He's looked very good at times. He's going to have eligibility next year. And I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people are assuming, I don't know why I just said a lot. So the UCF baseball team. <laughs> I think I was going to say, I think this is probably the point in time where he transfers to, or not transfers, but translates all of that just to baseball. And that's that. So, yeah. Because the other thing, again, I apologize. I don't know why I said a lot so loud. My voice just like broke and went up very loud. I didn't even so, notice it that much. Good. Maybe you cover it up because it. I, <laughs> I said the, just the word lot, like way louder than the rest of that. But anyway, that's all to say. So looking ahead to the Big 12 quarterback, I'm not worried about. Here's what I am worried about. I am worried about the schedule, naturally. I think that it is absolutely critical next year that UCF wins their first three games. You've got Kent State at Boise State and Villanova. If you win, the, if you go three and oh, you're fine. Like they can go three and six in the Big 12. Like I'm confident in that. Here's yeah. the one thing, and this showed up against East Carolina, showed up in past games, and I'm so worried about it going into next season. 
UCF's O-line has already not been good. And I think like all of those guys are leaving and I don't really know who is there to step up into that. And that is the fastest way to tank your season is to just not have an O-line as you move into the power five. And I'm, yeah, I mean, you say you're worried about going into next season. I'm worried about that going into this Saturday, which we'll talk about, but yeah, it, it's weird because I, I think that shows you some of where Josh Heupel failed was recruiting the offensive line. And, and it's just, I don't know what, I don't know who is left. Um, I, I don't mean I need to probably pull up who's Swoboda and Swoboda is going to be gone. Sam, Sam Jackson is going to be gone. gone. I don't know about Tylen Grable. Um, um, Lokai has to be gone, right? I think he's gone too. Yeah. Uh, Matt so, Lee, Matt Lee can come back. I think Matt Lee has one more year. Yeah. So it, it's that's that's like in your entire offensive line except for Matt Lee. You're losing three or four starting alignment off an off an O line unit that wasn't even that good to begin with as you move to the power five. That's that's the story that might end up being the story of the off season. And the other issue is I like that, like, Oh, linemen do not enter the portal. It was pretty stunning that UCF was able to snag two starters this past off season through the portal. So I don't necessarily know what UCF is going to do there. I don't really know the status of the backups. If there are guys who are like ready, like you look I mean, at someone I like wonder, Paul Rubel, I just kind of assume if Rubel was ready, he'd be playing by now. You know, yeah, like I, I wonder with like a freshman, like Caden Kittler, who came in this season, I wonder if he's going to have to step in next year. Like it's, you just don't know anything. Like I think they were uh, training him up as a center though. Am I right? I don't know, but um, all that to be said, that's the number one thing to watch next year. So the East Carolina game, you look at that, and I definitely don't think that game is, knowing we get to Cincinnati, I don't think that game is indicative of where UCF is going into the Big 12. I know it definitely has felt like that, but what you have. I, I forgot Miguel Maldonado ended up back at UCF. I think he walked on, right? Yeah, I think so. I forgot he was, I forgot he ended up back. back. There you go. But Adrian yeah, Medley is so. a redshirt junior, so I guess he could be back. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting we'll see yeah, that, that might that really might be the thing that'll be the story next season but yeah so i mean this definitely isn't worth six games away from the big 12 you necessarily wanted to see ucf just the issues they have or not the issues you want to be having before you move up to the power five but i think they're gonna, i think they're gonna be okay in the long term i think i next think year so it's gonna be an adjustment and hopefully we're all just cool with that i think so and i think what really helps too is is the way they've been recruiting some of the guys they have coming in on defense i kind of want to start to see some of those guys on offense as well i know he's mostly seen just like these high caliber defensive recruits. Um, That's why I'm then, so terrified of losing to you, Will. And then, yeah. And then the, the other thing is obviously how they use the transfer portal. I mean, every off season, at least the last two off seasons with under Gus, it's been a big thing. Wait, was it? Yeah. It's been a bigger thing. So it's, and I think this off season, even more than last off season. So, and they're going to we'll be, I mean, you, 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 they're a freshman. We haven't talked a ton about this year who are probably going to factor in a lot more next year, like Nakai Martinez, oh, yeah. Anderson twins, Cam Moore, Jordan McDonald, Tommy Castellano. I mean, they're, so, you know, you, you got to remember, it's like the, we've sort of forgotten where like, we're sort of in this mode of like immediate expectations. Thanks to the portal, but you've got freshmen. We're not really talking about this year who have the potential to play big roles next year. You've got yeah. uh, Bowman, the, the running back yeah. too, former five-star forgot about him. So they'll probably be fine, but you know, we're definitely in like the mode where I hope more UCF fans are trending more towards realizing that next year is very much going to be a transition year and not a show up and be amazing year. Uh, but realism and UCF fans, I don't think really go together. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you're not wrong on that at all, but it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll see all that going forward. Cause it's just, it's been a couple of weeks now, but I think it was actually during the temple game. Um, I was talking to my boss over text and he was saying, cause he's a Kansas state guy. And he was saying like, UCF's ready for the big 12. And I was like, I am not even close to ready, ready to say that yet. And he was like, no, like this offense is, is ready. Like they can hang offensively, defensively, they need to shore some things up, which was an inter interesting take to have. He watches all the UCF games as, as much as, as far as I know. 
But I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to say that yet. And then they come out against ECU and do that. And I'm like, I mean, yeah. they can hang offensively when they have good John Rice Plumley. When they that's have good John like, Rice Plumley, they look unstoppable. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah, that's why I wasn't ready to to go out on that limb and say, yeah, they're ready. But, you know, we'll see. They don't have much more time to, I mean, I guess they really do. It's, yeah, it's six games, but also it's six games and then an entire offseason. Yeah, they have so. an offseason. I did laugh, though, because some people were like, why are we even, like, talking about how they'll look next year? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people, like, not just me, were tweeting about that. They were like, you know, it's like, that's going to be a completely different team. And I'm like, it's not going to be a completely different team. <laughs> you yeah. probably add so many players. This is still the building blocks of what they're going to have next year. And, I mean, why, why not look ahead when sooner rather than later we're going to get that Big 12 schedule? Which I'm actually looking forward to. It's just gonna I don't be... think we're getting that anytime soon. I thought we were getting in December. Is that what it is? Is it December? I thought it's not soon. It's... Oh, I guess it is late it's October. It's almost November. That'll we'll have this conversation again then once we actually see a schedule and be like, oh yeah. UCF plays Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas. <laughs> yeah. And you and I have talked so about too though, like how we've had these moments where it's like, wow, UCF's gonna be in the Big 12. I think when they get that schedule and see that they have those teams on the schedule, that might be the final, well, not final, but like a really like significant moment where it's just like wow this is happening now i do think like seeing the home slate for the first time is going to be crazy like because it is just sort of like in your head it feels it still feels a little hypothetical to me which i know is dumb but like actually seeing that slate is going to be something i don't think it feels hypothetical to the people that got the season ticket renewal email and the parking and all that. oh man we haven't even talked about that <laughs> Maybe we won't. That's the thing is I, I didn't think we would like I, I was thinking about the football news and i was like i don't even know how to recap all that and i don't think that's like the type of stuff we usually get into but we could talk about it if you want um, no, but for now, really let's, don't want <laughs> let's jump into the uh, UCF Cincinnati preview. Man, this felt like I was looking so much more forward to this game before last week, before Saturday, even on Saturday before the game. I was like, wow, next week's going to be big. Now I'm like dreading it. Yeah, I'm not dreading it, to be honest, <laughs> with you, because I'm maintaining the same theory that I talked about on our late night pod and I'm sticking with it now. I have, they could win that game by 30 points. Oh, they could, but I just don't expect them to. It's just, literally every game for the rest of the season, it's almost like, why bother predicting? Because here's the only question you have to ask. Are they going to get, are they going to get good John Rice Plumlee or bad John Rice Plumlee? If they get good John Rice Plumlee, they can do anything. They can put up 60 on Cincinnati, whatever. If they get bad John Rice Plumlee, they could get crushed. So I, I, it's all down to that. Who knows? Are they going to get four turnovers, John Rice Plumlee? Are they going to get 49 yards, John Rice Plumlee? Are they going to get seven touchdowns, John Rice Plumlee? Or four passing yards, John Rice Plumlee? After Saturday, though, it feels like it's even more than that to me because, like, it, yeah, it was the first time UCF's defense has kind of had a hiccup, but it was also the first time they've played a pretty competent offense. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, they're that we overrated them or anything. It's just, like, I do wonder a little bit if, like, the competition is getting tougher, if it's going to be less likely that we can rely on them to hold teams to 14, 16 points. There are teams that I'd worried about that I'd worry about that more with than Cincinnati. Cincinnati's offense has not exactly been lighting it up. Cincinnati's honestly, they're three games into conference play and they've won all the games. So that's the important part, but they're struggling. I mean, they only beat Tulsa by 10. That went down late. They went down to the wire with USF, only one by four. SMU almost got them. They only beat SMU by two. And Cincinnati fans are having the exact same kind of season from the quarterback position that UCF fans are having, where their fan base is pretty much split down the middle on Ben Bryant. Um, half of them are how UCF fans are off JRP and love him. And he's the guy, half of them want him gone. And I think for Cincinnati fans, this mood is very much as much as this is, I mean, this game is do or die for UCF. Obviously, if they lose the game, they're almost certainly eliminated from the conference title race. You're, the best you can do is nine and three, pretty much all the goals you had before the season started a top 25 conference title in year six, it's all gone. Cincinnati, that's not the case, but at the same time, I feel like the general mood for their fans from what I'm gathering from message boards and everything else I'm checking is like, this is this is a big test for them because UCF is still a very talented team. It's a talented 
uh, it's it's a not a talented. It's a very tough environment to play in. And it's a talented and environment. It's a talented <laughs> environment. Congrats to you guys listening who are the best. You're very talented. And you've very helped talented them win a lot fans. of games over the years. But it's gonna be a tough test for Cincinnati. So I don't think I think both fan bases are very nervous, which is why the trash talk has been at an all time low. What interests me series. about them having kind of the same view on Ben Bryant as UCF fans do on John Rice Plumley is like. For all the things we've said about John Rice Plumlee is inconsistency and like we don't ever know which one we're going to get. I at least have we've seen him play well enough to where it's like, OK, yeah, like I see why some people really do feel that way about him. Ben Bryant, I know he's had a couple games where he's had like good stat lines, but I'm like, I don't know that he's shown the same upside at Cincinnati like as, the, as their quarterback as JRP has for UCF. It's so just it's, like a random observation. I have. It's, it's funny really because pertinent. Cincinnati's other quarterback, I think his name is Evan Prater. Is that yeah. right? Cincinnati and UCF both had a quarterback battle with both similar traits of the two quarterbacks and they went different ways. Cincinnati picked the game manager, more stable option and UCF picked the more volatile. We'll just see what the heck happens. Athletic guy. (laughs) And it's interesting that the results have kind of been the same for both teams, but in different ways, like UCF's looked astounding at times when John Rice Plumlee has been on and they've looked horrible at times when he's been off. Cincinnati has just steadily looked okay on offense the whole season. So it's kind of interesting from that perspective, but like, here's one way I look at it is for everything we see on John Harris Plumlee, if I could click a button right now and switch the quarterbacks that UCF now has Ben Bryant and UCF has, or and, uh, Cincinnati has JRP, I would not do it at all. I would yeah, not I do that. I don't Are you know. thinking about it? I'm thinking about it. No, I would not do it. <laughs> Especially for this it. game, it's like, I, I just, I'd rather, you know, because if John Harris Plumlee does look good, which we'll see if he does, then it's over, you know? And maybe yeah. that's worth the risk. I don't really think it is, but I know a lot of fans still do, but. That's why one of my predictions, which we'll get to later, is a very, very risky prediction. But Ooh, there's fun. a little, there's a little teaser. But yeah, I mean, we, we kind of just referenced it. And that's like, the big thing with this game is like, this game makes or breaks UCF season. Yeah, this is like. It. I feel to an extent too, like if they win this game and then they go and end up losing to either Memphis or Tulane, I'll still feel fine at nine and three because they beat Cincinnati. And I know that's like, that might be a loser mentality to have, but just at this point, I can't have UCF lose to Cincinnati again. It would be really crushing just for my own mental health. If UCF loses to Cincinnati four years in a row, that's pretty (laughs) tough. Because at that point, it's like you're just not even com- competitive with them, you know, especially coming off how the game went last year. I understand there were circumstances there with UCF's injuries, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I just the other thing to look at is this is game eight of the season. The the one change from past years is this is the first time since 2019 that UCF's even gotten this late into the season and still been in the lead title race. I mean, they're entering yeah. here and are still in it. So it's progress. But man, you just really want to be able to go into that Memphis road game still alive. Because if Cincinnati beats you, I, I just, the idea of having a whole third of the season left, basically. And where you're just or, dead. <laughs> yeah. There's just nothing. You're not really playing for anything. And I understand that that's not a good mentality. And I've spoken against that mentality before that UCF fans have of, Oh, if we're not, you know, playing for a league title, what's the point. But at that point, you're not even talking about a top 25 season. You're basically just awaiting your Gasparillable appointment. So I, I really don't want to see that happen. This weekend. It's just, it feels like I'm looking at the records right now. I mean, UCF comes in at five and two, two and one in the AAC Cincinnati at number 20, I believe is their ranking. I don't know if I, I didn't update that. I don't know what they are right now. Six and one, three and zero oh in the AAC. And it just, UCF loses this game and they go to five and three and two and two in the AAC. And that just feels so like just average and two and two in the AAC is just rough but if they win and they're six and two three and one in the AAC still alive in the title race like it feels it feels so that is such a dramatic swing when you look at it that way five and three all your goals all your preseason goals are done or six and two very much alive in the league title race 
I mean, because the other thing is handing Cincinnati a loss would just be valuable too, because with the way they're playing, I wouldn't be surprised if they drop another one at some point. So yeah. We'll okay, see. so Cincinnati is still number 20. Or yeah, yeah they're number 20. I thought they okay. moved up to number 20. Eh, whatever down there. Yeah, I'm confused now because this says they moved up one to 20, but I had this as number 20 since like last week, I think. Maybe we just moved them Unless up pretty I, early. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this it feels so different if they win this game and it just keeps you alive another week and you feel better going into Memphis. You win that game. You've got some momentum back after that crushing ECU game. And then you Which go on a must on... must win homecoming game against Cincinnati is pretty cool. Uh, it would be cooler yeah. if it was a not must win game where you're also hosting game day, but like the environment <laughs> should be really cool. And we haven't had like a legitimately great home crowd this year. The crowd hasn't been bad at any point except the SMU game on a Wednesday, but you know, and that's been a product of when the games are played, but I'm excited. I, I think this the bounce is going to be packed. And I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. And, and the fact that I mean, it's a 3.30 kick, which I know last time we talked or two weeks – yeah, last time we talked, um, it was noon or 3.30. 3.30, I think, is the better time slot for the fan base. I still wish it was a night game since we aren't getting game day, but whatever. Nothing we can do about it now. Um, but, no, I feel I still – it's homecoming. It's sold out. I think it's going to be a really good atmosphere, which is going to be nice to see because the other Saturday home game UCF had was the Georgia Tech game. And – for whatever reason, that was, I mean, it's, I guess probably two weeks after the loss to Louisville. It wasn't it wasn't a bad crowd, but it wasn't at its peak. It was whatever. They announced and, more than it was. It was probably yeah. 38, 39,000 people. For Cincinnati, I think the crowd will be at its peak, despite Absolutely. losing by 21 last week. I mean, they're coming back home and hosting is also just team. typically a pretty good crowd, regardless yeah. of how the season's going to. So, yeah, it should be a good crowd for sure. And they're hosting a ranked team for the first time since, what would it be, 2020? Yeah, I think it was Cincinnati in 2020. When was the last yeah. time they hosted a ranked team that wasn't Cincinnati? Um, that's an excellent – probably, no? Probably Memphis, maybe? Memphis in the title game in 17, which yeah. is kind of ridiculous. I'm not – don't, crazy. like, quote me on that because I, I haven't actually looked it up, but I can't think of someone else it would have been. Yeah, because Memphis wasn't – Memphis wasn't – I think the only team they hosted in 2018 that was ranked was Cincinnati on game day. And then I don't – Memphis wasn't ranked – for the title game in 2018 because they had like four losses they were eight and four they were definitely yeah. not ranked um so they had four losses yeah so it must have been i think the 2017 memphis team um which was a good team until the bowl game um how do we do this like how do we start a podcast where they're going to preview cincinnati and then we're discussing how good 2017 memphis was we're so good at getting off topic that's what i love about this podcast i think um yeah. all right let's get in the key stats then let's let's move along here um key stat number one rj harvey is averaging 8.0, eight yards per carry. He has 297 yards on 37 carries. I feel like it's a large enough sample size to say, give the man more carries. He's the best running back on the team. He really is basically, and I know I've said this, like I don't mean it's not like a broken record, but we've said before he's the best running back on the team. He's more, more and more proven that. He takes the best qualities of Isaiah Bowser and combines them with the best qualities of Johnny Richardson. And that's why I'm like, just give this man every single carry, honestly. And I um, think we've seen him play a little bit more. Johnny Richardson's kind of disappeared since I, early in the season. That was what I wanted to talk about next is Johnny Richardson got one carry against East Carolina. Um, which I feel like is wrong. Like he has not, not had like double not digit it, carries in a game since Florida Atlantic. That's weird. Seven against Georgia Tech, three against SMU, five against Temple, one against East Carolina. I know I said it on the late night pod and it was like they kind of went away from the run and that's a product of where they were in the game and being down 17. Um, so I mean, that's part of it, but I think, I, mean, I feel like, I know he hasn't been like excellent or anything this season, but giving him only one carry feels wrong. Well, it's, and we talked about this actually when Malzahn came in was that at Auburn, he did not do running back by committee at all. It just wasn't a thing. He picked a guy and that was his guy. And it feels like we've seen that where 
I don't, I even honestly feel like if they had more faith in RJ's health coming off the injury, I don't even know if we'd still be seeing Bowser outside of the wildcat plays. Yeah. And I, I think that's a mistake because when you have talent, use it like RJ Harvey is really good, but that doesn't mean that you can't find ways to use Johnny Richardson. Johnny Richardson's probably the first or second fast player on the team. You can I'd find ways to get him involved. Still try to find ways to use MAR. MAR just basically doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, it, it's been a little frustrating because like having a bunch of really good running backs is not a problem. It's a good thing. And we've seen UCF's it. UCF's gonna lose. I mean, Johnny Richardson's gonna transfer. I'm certain yeah. after this offseason. MAR probably will too. We've seen it at UCF too. Like how running back by committee not only works, but like makes your offense. Plus, even if you're a freshman or a recruit, like if you're like a Jordan McDonald right now, like what does that say to you where you're basically like, wow, I either basically have to be the best running back in the room where I'm just not going to get on the field much at all. I don't know. About yeah. That. I don't know. about Because, I mean, you feel like you feel that way for him and you're like, he's coming in next year where, yeah, maybe Johnny transfers, Bowser's gone, but RJ Harvey's back. Demarcus Bowman's going to be eligible. Like you kind of wonder what your prospects really are. Yeah. Plus Ar- Harvey at that point will be a full year removed from his or a year removed from recovering from his injury. I mean, he should, I, I would be stunned if he's not RB1 yeah. next year. Yeah. But I mean, I honestly, the rest of the way, I think he should be RB1 this year. I know probably I think he part basically of it is, is. It part felt of it like he was in East Carolina. Just giving him not a crazy workload coming off that injury. But I think that's yeah. entirely what it is. I think if yeah. it weren't for that, I think he'd be, like I said, I think if it literally weren't for that, I don't even think we'd be seeing Bowser outside the Wildcat plays. I don't know, but I think there is still something to be said about, we've talked about Gus's loyalty to his players and stuff, and I think there's some level of loyalty there to Bowser for what he did last year and then deciding to come back for another year. I don't know. It sure hasn't been like... loyal to Auburn transfer MAR or, yeah. or Johnny Richardson. Yeah, but I don't know. I just don't feel like there was, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I would like to see more of RJ Harvey going forward. And I think we're we're seeing a little bit more week by week, and I don't know. It's, it's one of those things because we told, we said – um before the season how we kind of budgeted bowser's carries by game if you're going to give rj harvey like more carries like have one or two games where he has like 14 or 15 carries i'd say make this one of them i'd say cincinnati's it yeah you you would hope um but let's move on to key stat number two and that is that cincinnati has not lost a conference road game since 2019 did they lose a conference game in 2019 have they lost a conference game since 2019 at all you know what? I don't know. I looked at the stat. I just looked at the road games. Um, yes, they've lost in 2019. They haven't lost in 20 or 21. Okay. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because we always talk about UCF and it's, it's funny. Isn't it funny how for basically the last five years of UCF football, we've talked about the home field advantage as the big thing. It's crazy. Home field advantage. That's barely come up this week. Like everyone's just like, yes, yeah, Cincinnati's going to win. Yeah. And I find that really interesting because I think the home field advantage is going to matter a lot. But when you look at how Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati has played in some tough road environments, but this is their first legitimate trip to the bounce house since 2018. Because the oh, 2020 yeah. trip, obviously, there was no um, no fans in attendance. And the 2018 UCF team was obviously light years better than this one. But at the same time, Cincinnati was very good that year, and UCF just crushed them. I mean, that crowd took – I mean, Desmond Ritter was rattled, and Ben Bryant strikes me as a quarterback who can be rattled. So I, I don't know. I threw that one in there because I find it interesting and it's noteworthy, but I also think, I think UCF can end that. I think UCF can win this game. I mean, they can. That's the, that's like I don't even think that's a question. It's like they definitely can, but it's just will they? Will they? Let show me rephrase up? it. The right. What can UCF win this game if John Rice Plumley is bad? John Rice Plumley. No, you don't think they can. At no, all. he he kills the offense when he's bad. Yeah, he kills it in a lot. Of, I think what I find interesting is he kills it in several different ways. Like it's not just like one <laughs> way that he takes it down. I mean, he will impressive. Throw, really, he'll throw inexplicable interceptions. He'll take sacks he shouldn't take. He'll miss wide open. I mean, he does. It's like. 
it's so weird. It's like when he's off, he's completely off. It's the strangest thing. But and this is gonna sound dumb, but outside of I know they, they played outside of Arkansas, they haven't really played in a tough road environment this year. Now, they haven't played in a tough Arkansas. road environment in like a while. I mean, that last year they were very good. Notre Dame was their big one, but yeah. you know, you t- you look at their. I still laugh at their 2020 season. They played on the road in conference twice in 2020. Yeah. That was such a weird schedule, but yeah, I mean, UCF's going to be the toughest environment they faced this year outside of Arkansas, and you saw what happened. Yeah, at Arkansas. Arkansas. So I don't know. I think UCF's got a real good chance of winning this. I, I I would even venture so far as to say I think they could maybe win this game if John Rice Plumley is bad. John Rice Plumley, it's just they're just going to need some stuff to go their way. That's the thing is like it, it if that happens, a lot needs to break for them. I think I, I think you need a couple turnovers. The defense has to play like um, defense, defense has, has played at an elite amazing. level. And other guys have to make plays on the offense. Maybe they need a special teams play. Like a, a lot comes into play if their quarterback is not on. So that is the that is the key there. Um, speaking of John Rice Plumley and bad John Rice Plumley, our third stat is that he has zero passing touchdowns and five turnovers against teams with winning records this season. That's yeah, that was games. shocking when we actually looked that up. That was Louisville and East Carolina, the only two teams currently with winning records that UCF has played. And those are those are the two games where he just looked terrible. I, I just, and again, I know every time I, I can hear you guys as you're listening to this being like, he played, other than the turnovers, he played really well. It's like, you can't subtract four turnovers. Yeah. That killed them. And all, every single one of those turnovers were so stupid and so unnecessary. They weren't and like, oh man, East Carolina made a good play, just terrible turnovers. What you're also going to get too is, oh, well, if Jalen Griffin catches that ball, then that's a touchdown. Well, yeah. Okay. And then one passing touchdown to five turnovers in those two games. Doesn't it's, feel that much different, does a it? A receiver dropping a ball does not give the quarterback permission to then just not <laughs> right. notice a defender and throw right. the ball directly to his chest. Like those are not exclu- or those are not inclusive scenarios. But right. that that stat has me more freaked out for this game than anything. Because like I said, we've talked about, oh, it's good JRP or bad JRP. It makes you worry more. Is it just like, oh, can JRP just not play against good teams? And that's terrifying because UCF's got a lot of good teams left on the schedule. And then you're talking that's about what a really I mentioned. bad season. That's what I mentioned on the postgame pod was we were saying like, and I wasn't necessarily even a winning record versus not winning record thing. It was just look at the teams that UCF's beaten and the games that he's played really well against. And then look at the teams that they've lost to and how he's played in those games. And this, this stat gives actual numbers and stats to those games, but it's, <laughs> it's bad. I'm not saying he can't break out of that. And since it's such a small sample size of not two games, I'm not, of just two games, I'm not necessarily saying that's a done deal, but let's just say for a second, it's true. JRP cannot play well against good teams. Their next three games are Cincinnati at Memphis and at Tulane. If that's the case, then all of those are going to be losses. Yeah. I mean, and so they have a, they have a losing record. Georgia Tech does, but in that game, he didn't play well. And that, that's a, they're three and four. Um, but so, I mean, you look at the teams that he's played well against, and it's South Carolina State, FAU, uh, SMU, and Temple. The only one SMU's, of those that you can make a case for being a legitimately like decent team is SMU, and SMU yeah. still has a really bad defense, even though their offense yeah. is very good and keeps them afloat. So it's worrying. It's very worrying. Yeah. So predictions. We've talked at length in the postgame podcast, early in this podcast, about how it's impossible to predict these things. Um, this team in particular, just, you just yeah, can't predict. That's not just covering for our own records this season. I don't know what they are. You want to give us our records? Yeah, I'm 8-13, and 13 and you are 9-12. and 12. Okay. closing in on nine him. and 12 nine and 12 though after last year i'm i'm fully happy honestly given how ridiculous this team is and how different they look week to week nine and 12 is awesome you're crushing. yeah i'll take it i, I don't i don't like maybe i only had like one oh for three week i think most of my weeks have been one and two i think i've had a couple two and ones this week i don't really feel good about anything um so do you want me to start or do you want to start you can start all right i'll start 
it's time to skew on the negative side of things. After all that talk about how UCF, they got a chance to win this game. I mean, I, I, I still don't disagree with that. I just, when I'm coming to predict what's going to happen, I'm not predicting that to happen. So we'll start here. Um, Cincinnati will have more sacks than UCF. And that's prediction number one. Cincinnati, I think, in this matchup since 2019 has just dominated in the trenches. I think that's been the biggest difference between the UCF teams, save for 2021, because that team was depleted with injuries. And I was going to say, you even, can't really. But even at full strength last year, I don't think UCF's, like, I don't think UCF's offensive line or defensive line really would have matched up well at all with uh i tweeted cincinnati. during that game that if ucf was fully healthy they would have won and i've never been ratioed so hard in my life as i was by cincinnati fans after tweeting <laughs> that it was so insane. cincinnati this year is third in the nation in sacks with 29 their first in sacks per game at 4.14 ucf's only allowed 15 this year which is a lower number than i thought it was going to be plus how many of those just came against east carolina four of them came last week okay I'm glad you asked um <laughs> <laughs> the more worrying thing and maybe not the more worrying thing but just something that's equally as worrying is UCF only has 12 sacks as a defense this season and Traymon Morris Brash has four no other player has more than one that is very weird it's not good uh Cincinnati's allowed 17 sacks this year so like I don't think their offensive line isn't like I wouldn't say it's a dominant offensive line but they've held their own pretty well against UCF in the past couple of years I would not call it years. I, I don't know I I I think that UCF's D-line could win this win this matchup i really do and i think that i haven't seen the one enough thing that out UCF, of them to prove to me that they can because they just don't get a lot of pressure yeah but the, they've been pretty decent at stopping the run throughout the season yeah I mean, no, dbs yeah. are one thing whatever but and this feels like a team of cincinnati where it's like okay if you can stop the run and not let them develop anything there just let ben bryant do his thing and you'll probably win like they don't have some quarterback who's going to really like compensate for that yeah yeah i mean so. we'll see that's that's the one thing is but that that matchup, I think I feel better about than Cincinnati's D line against UCF's O line, especially with the way John. I mean, John Rice probably if he can he can help me get a loss in this stat if he actually learns to throw the ball away because he escapes sacks well enough to throw throw out of a sack, but he just doesn't. Okay, and instead, okay, can we talk about Gus defending that in the presser today? No, no, I don't want to. Well, we're going to. I mean, I mean. <laughs> He was uh, Malzahn was asked about that, obviously. And if you don't, you're not sure what we're talking about, it was in the game against East Carolina. John Rice Plumley, there were like nine different times basically where he just danced around, no one was open, and it was just infuriating. It's just like no one's going to be open, just throw the ball away. And he would just dance, 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 run 10 seconds off the clock, then get sacked and lose yards. And it just made absolutely no sense why he kept doing it. So, so someone asked about at the presser, I think it was Brandon Hellig, I think, who was like, do you want to see him throw the ball away more there? And Gus was like, oh, what you love about JRP is he's always trying to make a play. And it's like, you cannot, that that's bad. <laughs> That yeah. UCF lost so many yards they did not need to lose because the play wasn't there and he wouldn't give up. Like, you have to know when to give up on a play. You don't always try to make the play. That's how you end up with four turnovers. Is you, know, yeah, to make say, you know who else always tries to make a play or had always tried to make a play when he was with the Bucks was Jameis Winston. And he threw 30 interceptions in a season. Like, that's how turnovers happen. That's how sacks happen. You hold on to the ball too long and it kills your offense. It kills drives. So I'm glad Gus loves that he plays his guts out and tries to always make a play, but he needs to stop. Which I think that's much more because the other thing you understand about Malzahn is he's not going to give you anything in press conferences. Like when Jason Beattie asked him after the uh, game that night, he was like, hey, did you ever consider a quarterback change? And Gus is like, nope, absolutely not. I'm like, that's a lie. Like, I know he didn't do it. And I'm not saying there was ever a point where he thought I'm going to do it. But when your quarterback is recording his third turnover in three drives, there is some part of your brain that's thinking there may be a change tonight. Like it, it, there's it, a guy so. on the sideline that won seven games last year as a freshman. But no, he didn't. No, he, I didn't think about that. No. 
But no, the thing is, like, yeah, Gus isn't going to give you much in a press conference, but he has said, especially earlier in the year, he was like, oh, like stuff like, oh, we've talked to him about sliding. He needs to slide. Like he has said stuff like that. So it would have been just as easy for him to say, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. And well, like he knows he was trying to make a play, but like we need him to do this, be smarter with the ball. Part of, it is, part of it is they probably established by now that JRP is just not going to listen to them because that's I mean, true, which is not the, good. The first two or three games, either Chip Lindsay or Gus Malzahn in post game would say, we're really trying to give him to slide more. He has never started sliding more. And so it's probably just, you know, whatever at this point. Yeah, but I, oh, well, Gus did say in his presser as well that John Rice Plumley is still getting used to the offense. <laughs> I, I thought game we were seven guys. It's game seven guys. Oh, I thought we were still getting used that, to the offense. But... All right, let's get your first prediction. That one was a long one. It's like I'm about to retire from my job at 68 or at 63, and I'm like, I feel like I've finally gotten the grip on it. I've gotten the grip on it. <laughs> so I used to make fun of you last year a lot because you would give these oh, like insanely go. specific predictions. Like Brandon Adams is going to record a pick. I almost did that this week. And you know what? It didn't work for you, but this team is so unpredictable. I've decided to try it out. So I'm just going to give incredibly specific predictions this week, and we'll see how it goes for me. So my first prediction is that John Resplumley will throw an interception directly to a Cincinnati defender at some point in the game. My money is on a <laughs> linebacker. That's my first prediction. That's brutal. I, I'm not going to get as specific as when, but at some point, at yeah, some at point some in the point game, he is fine. going to throw a ball directly into the chest of a Cincinnati defender. I'm feeling cut. It'll be a defender that he did not see, that he did not realize was presently there, and that will happen. So that's my first prediction. I can't wait for that to come true. It's going to be exciting. Um, it's going to happen too. And I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to be mad both that it happened. He threw a pick and, then and that you got that. a prediction, right? <laughs> well, remember, I don't just get it for a pick. I'm saying he is going to look down a Cincinnati defender and throw the ball to his chest. That's what I'm predicting. Okay. So that's interesting. So like if a, if a, if a defender, what if a defender jumps the route? That's not, does that count? We'll have to he didn't it, see him, It's going to depend like, on how egregious it is. Like if it was a really athletic play by the defender. Okay. But like, if it was just an easily catchable ball, like it looked like he was throwing it to a receiver, then I'm getting it. Okay. That'll be interesting. Um, I hope he just doesn't throw any interceptions. That'd be nice. I would strongly prefer that he does um, not. On the same topic of quarterbacks, my second prediction is that neither quarterback will win this game for their team. I think that's likely. That was my risky one, I said, because if UCF, that's why I said it earlier, like I had a risky one, was that if UCF does win, I think it's going to be largely because John Rice Plumley, the good John Rice Plumley, showed up. I was going to say, Ben Bryant certainly won't. You're taking a little bit of a risk with JRP because if yeah. we have good JRP, that's exactly what UCF will win. But a little insight into where I'm going with the score prediction. I, I think Cincinnati's probably going to win. And if they do, I think it's going to be more of their run game or their defense that is the real reason. Ben Bryant might play like decently well, but I don't think he's going to do anything like superstar level to win them this game. He's yeah, not going to have a whole Nailers type game. And I can't believe I just said that because he might actually <laughs> now, now he's going to come out and do that i'm going to look like an idiot no the best ben bryant is going to do is not lose them the game he's not the type of quarterback who's going to step up and win them the game that's why i'm interested in hey if ucf can just dare him to throw and just shut down the run they might have a chance regardless of what the offense does possible let's get your second prediction your my second, second prediction, prediction is that ucf's defense will record a key stop in the third quarter to give fans hope that will that will quickly be squandered by a short <laughs> offensive drive <laughs> that's that's actually going to happen that's absolutely happening that's it's going to be like, uh, that's my it's going to be the thing where it's going to be hopeful is like UCS offense is going to be awful all of the first half. The defense will play well enough. They'll get a stop and it'll be like maybe 10 to three. And you're like, man, they just need to get a touchdown here. And like it's a tie game as bad as they've played. They'd still tie it right here. Then they'll go three and out. That that's was kind of happen. so in my head, and this is not kind of part of my prediction, but in my head, I was imagining like late in the third quarter, it's like it's like 28-21 Cincinnati, and you're like, oh, they're just gonna they're gonna go 35-21 and it's over. Defense gets a huge stop. Crowd goes nuts. Offense gets the ball back. 34 seconds later, they are punting. And that's that. So that's my second prediction. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we've gone pretty negative. I'll 
I almost went negative with my third one, but I'll go positive, and then my score prediction will be negative. Um, I've thought about going with a Brandon Adams interception just because there's nothing – like, I can't predict anything anyway with this team, so, like, why not go back to old reliable, even though it wasn't reliable? Um, I thought about predicting that the defense will give up more than 20 for the second straight game, which they just hadn't done for – was it 11 games in a row, I think it was? I think it was nine. Nine. Um and I just decided to go a different route. And it's that RJ Harvey will lead the team in rushing. Oh, my third one is that RJ Harvey will have at least one, at least one run that goes for 20 plus yards. Nice. Yeah. So he's the best running back on the team. We're big RJ Harvey fans here on the Pegasus podcast. Yeah. I'm not going to say what I said in the spring last year, but nope, do not. We've been, we've been RJ Harvey fans on this podcast. For those of you who don't know what that is about, we went through a streak where Bailey would declare that a UCF player was going to win the Heisman and that player would immediately get hurt. And we did that with RJ Harvey at one point. Or you did. Well, I wasn't going to explain it. I wasn't going to explain it because I didn't want to put that out there. Yeah, we can't just leave like vague messages. (laughs) We talked about it like three weeks ago on the podcast. So if we we have our our listeners are loyal and they've been listening to us for any time, that would have been like a little inside joke, a little little nugget for them that they'd be like, oh, I know what he's talking about. They'd be like, I understood that reference. Little (laughs) Captain America. Um, all right, score prediction. Uh, am I going or you? Um, I can go. You go. You go um, I have two. No, no, what? So I have a score prediction for if we get bad John Rice Pumley, and I have a score prediction for if we get good, good John Rice Pumley. It's I mean, not fair that we should have to predict which version we're getting because we just can't predict. So I'm providing you with what's going to happen with both. Okay. So, and since if, these don't really count toward a record anyway, I guess I'll. Yeah, these don't it. count for anything. If John Rice Pumley is bad, Cincinnati is going to win 35 17. If John Rice Pumley is good, UCF is going to win 34 28. There you go. Fair enough. Book it. Honestly, I feel like if John Rice Pumley is good, UCF will win like 41 to 16. I kind of actually feel the exact same way, but I couldn't like bring myself to predict that. Like we can't like spend the first like 30 minutes of the podcast being just overly critical of John Rice Pumley and then be like, but if he's good, they'll win by 30. You know, like I just, I can't. can't (laughs) I'll do it anyway. Uh, My score prediction, I only have one because I'm basic and a loser. Um, Cincinnati 27, UCF 17. I don't even feel good about that prediction. It's just it's sure. possible. I have no idea like, what's going to happen. You know, that kind of goes in line with like, I don't think a 27 point like game for Cincinnati. I don't really think that's like Ben Bryant's not throwing four touchdowns and winning them the game. Like I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll run the ball. Well, I think their defense will play well. UCF will be frustrating and I'll be sad on the post game podcast. This is going to sound so stupid, but I just kind of think UCF's going to win. Like that's my gut. Is that well, no, win? I don't want to do this because we did this last year and it made no sense. We did this right no, before No, but last game. year I like was aware in my head that I was like really trying to convince myself of it. Like, th- like I'm just right now, it's like, because the way I look at it is if we'd had this conversation on Friday, like going into these Carolina game, I was like, we're going to beat Cincinnati. You know, UCF has been looking good for a while now. Cincinnati has been looking bad. And the bottom end now is the East Carolina game. I just, I think I'm letting a really bad performance influence what's going to happen in this game too much. And I'm trying to not do that because that I was think... a really bad performance. But John Rice Pumley is not going to turn the ball over four times. Ben Bryant is not going to throw 30 perfect passes downfield. Yeah, I think I had. Re- I think I, what, for me, it was the realization Saturday was a realization that this UCF team was still in there. Like I, after they beat SMU yeah. the way they did and they beat Temple, I was like, all right, I think they've turned the corner. They're fine. ECU showed us that this version of UCF still exists. That's a really fair and way to look at it. Against a good team like Cincinnati, I think this ver- like this version of UCF is more likely to show up. And that's not to say that the other one can't because it's a home game, it's homecoming, it's going to be packed. It's going to be a great environment. 
the only thing is if it if the things look bad early it will quickly turn into not a good environment like they, i think they might they might be able to take people out of the game if things get ugly early so if i'm gus malzahn fast, gotta figure something out if i'm gus malzahn and i'm not i'd probably be very bad at it not probably i would be horrible at it um i think like key to the game if we were like a really cheesy espn broadcast and like listing out keys to the game that all make no sense like settle in jrp as soon as you can like just get yeah. him some kind of easy throw some kind of easy play because it just seems like i mean i i called it during this game it's like it, it's just i think so much of this is a confidence thing for him like i think when he gets in his own head is oh i'm playing bad he's just playing bad and if you can just get him to feel himself early i feel like he can have a really really he's good gonna, game he's gonna run a flea flicker on the first offensive play of the game <laughs> i i one of my predictions was almost ucf will run a trick play that does not work but i you know i didn't want to go like that negative it just it just feels like one of the like if if it's gonna get in someone's brain and Gus's brain maybe where he's like if they hit on a flea flicker to start the game and they go up seven nothing, it's like this is over. But that's exactly but that does, right there is one of those throw, plays where if it pick, happens, like, all right. But that's one of those plays where if it happens, you're like that was genius play calling, and if it doesn't work, you're like we need a new coach. Like that, like that <laughs> that is literally what the divide is going to be on whether that play works or not. Yeah, I can't wait for that first play flea flicker. Or it's probably it's maybe less going to be a flea flicker and more of one of those like reverses that he loves to do, where it's kind of a flea flicker, but not in the traditional sense, where it's like yeah. a flea flicker with like two reverses in it that just take forever to develop. What's funny is who would have ever imagined... ever worked? I, I'm sure I, I have to believe it has worked at some point for Gus, or he wouldn't keep doing it. <laughs> but maybe practice. Can you imagine? Like the one thing I definitely didn't process until right now is like, man. Javon Baker twisting his ankle against Temple ended up being like the most impactful thing of the 2022 season ever, because that happens. You've got Jalen Griffin out there instead of him on that play. Jalen Griffin drops an easy ball and completely changes the game. Cause I still stand by, and I know East Carolina fans would hate to hear it, but I think if Jalen Griffin catches that and it's a touchdown, I think UCF wins. I think the game plays out completely differently. I think JRP doesn't have a bad game because he's feeling awesome about himself. I defense still wonder, would still have a rough game no matter what, but I think I still UCF would win by like, does. I think UCF would win by like 10. Defense also wouldn't have spent 40 minutes on the field. It's fair. I don't know. We'll never know. Um, I know in my heart. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Now that we've talked about it, I'm actually like looking forward to it a little bit more, which is a dangerous place for me to be in because then go. my hopes get up and it sucks. Well, um, what we did for our listeners, or at least what I did is I really use this as like a venting space. Like I'm like, if I predict enough really negative things, then the game will go well. Like that's, that's, that's just kind of like, it's like protecting myself mentally. So Hopefully sure. it pays off. That's what I was trying to do on the last podcast. And I guess yeah, that's probably well. what I was also doing on this podcast. But it always comes back around to where I'm like, all right, they can do this. I'll get to the game on Saturday and be like, feeling pretty good. But then I'll, then I'll start feeling nervous. Like 10 minutes before kickoff, I'll feel really nervous and then just feel sick the whole game. Um, all right. Football news. Not a lot of it. I mentioned earlier, UCF Cincinnati was announced last week as a sellout. Um, I think people also were, were getting really hyped about the potential for it to be college game day. And then that didn't work out, but Hey, I think it'll still be a great crowd. It was going to be a sellout either way. I think, I think so. Yeah. But it was just, I think it, that it surge of tickets last week, it was like Tuesday, I think like, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they've other than family weekend. I don't know. They've really sold out that early for a game um, in a little while, but yeah. And this, this actually seemed to make like, it was, I was like, okay, yeah, I think he's doing a great job until this last week. And it's not on him, but uh, the other one was Gus Malzahn was uh, one of 25 coaches named to the Bear Bryant Award watch list, which is for the coach of the year. I believe he was um, named to that before the East Carolina. <laughs> he definitely was. It was, it, I wrote that in last week. Um, so yeah, tough hit to those chances on Saturday. But um, the other thing, the other thing, obviously we 
we talked about it earlier and had didn't really know last week whether it was going to be noon or 3.30. This is a 3.30 game, of course, on Saturday, and it's on ESPN. Um, so still in that time slot, still on prime time ESPN for that afternoon window. Um, and kickoff time for Memphis will be either 3.30 or 4 o'clock Eastern time. Eastern time. I'm already trying to train my brain to figure out central time because we're going to be there. Um, that I'm game will be on excited. ESPN, ESPN2 or ESPNU. We went to the uh, Louisville game together last year, and it was a fun time. So Memphis should be a hoot. If anyone the, like is listening and you've like done the trip to Memphis before, or you want to like throw some recommendations, like where to eat, that'd be cool. I, yeah, uh, we have a good list, I think. Right. Yeah, now. we've got a, a couple places thanks to to my boss at Pewter Report, which is nice. Um, I think it's gonna be a fun, really fun trip. I mean, I we've talked on this podcast about Louisville, and as many times as I've slandered Louisville, like don't think it's a great city um i still had fun like we it was just it was more about the company than like the things we did like uh, the game itself that wasn't fun it was a, a game i was feeling sick the entire game um not just because of the way the game was going my stomach legitimately was hurting because of what we ate beforehand um we found no. I, I just like a little bit of like that trip was we ate it like there was it was like a random taco restaurant that was like next to the stadium and we were like that yeah, seems like, convenient yeah and like there were four of us and like half of that group was just destroyed by like yeah. halftime so that was rough yeah, really fun time. Oh, no, but it was a fun trip. I think Memphis is going to be very, very fun. I'm looking forward to that. I think the weather is going to be nice. Yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. – cool. uh, I'm excited. I, I've talked to a lot of UCF folks who have, like, gone to Memphis at some point because, obviously, UCF's been playing there every other year for, like, very, very long time or most or almost every other year. And it seems like everyone has a really, really awesome time in Memphis. So I'm very excited. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, game of the week. It'll be UCF women's soccer, who is 8-2-4 and four and 6-0-1 oh, in the AAC playing at South Florida in the regular season finale Thursday at seven South Florida's eight and seven, five and two in the AAC um, UCF clinched the regular season American conference championship on Sunday. Um, and that was just, a, it's, they've played so well in AAC play. I think they've won, was it six straight, five straight, six straight right now. Um, yeah. Their turnaround has been one. insane. Cause we were talking about like even a month ago, like, man, they are just, you yeah, know, I was like, what happened to that like, program? It was like it was close to time where it was like, do we need to start having a conversation about this? Because it just the years had stacked up where they just it ended up being just that they played a ridiculously tough out of conference league, which is what they always for the do, really. League. Yeah. Um, they just hadn't played as well in the recent years in AAC play, but they turned on AAC play this year and obviously will be the number one seed for that. Uh they still do a conference tournament, right? It was just yeah, volleyball they, that did away with they, that. No, it was only volleyball. Um, yeah, okay. But yeah, awesome. Awesome to see them turn that around. Um, really made my Sunday a little bit better after what I went through Saturday night and oh, yeah. Sunday with the Bucks. Um, but yeah, we be interesting. That's I, I really wanted to go to that game. It's it's 25 minutes from me, but that same night I gotta go to Raymond James for the Bucks Ravens game, which surely will be fun for me. Um, it will be. Uh let's go tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. I don't have a tweet of the week this week. No, oh, okay. Well, no. we had one on Saturday for the uh for the post-game podcast. We did. So. And my thinking this week was this would be the perfect time to slander a Cincinnati fan or something. <laughs> and you know what, guys? This message is to our Cincinnati Bearcats listeners, of which there are a few. Um, Oddly enough. Listen, guys. Whoever wrote, okay, there's a Cincinnati fan that wrote us a really nice review. We I did. Really we got a very nice it. Cincinnati fan review. We really on, appreciate it. I think that was that. on Apple. Was that on Apple, I guess? I think so. Very cool. Love our Cincinnati listeners. But anyway, listen up, Cincinnati fans. We've had, we've had a love-hate relationship with no love for the last few years. <laughs> and, you know... We're worried about our quarterback. You guys are worried about your quarterback. Let's just let's just go out there and have fun on Saturday. You know, let's let's. <laughs> I'm not going to talk any trash this week. I don't think you guys should either. I think let's just go have some fun. You know, 
we'll have a fun game. You know, they're only kids, you know, it's just, it's whatever. <laughs> I and hope the kids have fun. I hope the kids have fun. I hope they're the fans just have a good time. And, you know, let, let's just go to the big 12 together after that. You know, let's, let's, let's just, just bury the hatchet unless UCF wins. So that's my, <laughs> uh, that's my tweet of the week this week. Uh, all right. That was interesting. Um, man, I, we're going to be in such a, there's just two, I feel like completely stark different states of mind we start starkly different states of mind i don't know if that made sense very different states of mind that we could be in the next time you hear from us because we will be back saturday night after the game either feeling really really good about ucf finally beating cincinnati for the first time since 2018 or just feeling really really bad and just probably looking forward and most spending most of the podcast talking about what we're looking forward to doing in memphis because late night podcasts after ecu turned into a bunch of gasparilla bull talk and just random stuff and it that could happen again if they lose to cincinnati but until then you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now thank you guys so much for being with us and we will talk to you soon bye everybody